We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Pod Maverick After Dark. My name is Kirk Henderson. I am editor-in-chief over at MavsMoneyBall.com. I'm joined by fellow editor Josh Bow. We've not seen each other in several days. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? We're okay. I'm okay yeah. here. So that was, uh, you know, it was kind of an odd period of days off. The Mavericks lost to the yeah. Lakers. Pretty ugly road game um, last. Was that Wednesday or Thursday? That was Wednesday, so it's been a while. They were scheduled to play the Warriors Friday, and then they were going to have two games off or two days off to, to, until they played the Celtics. And instead, what ended up happening is due to the really um, sad circumstance of the uh, Golden State Warriors assistant coach passing away, and then the Warriors like getting stranded in Utah. Um, the league postponed that game, which we will have um, at a later date. Uh, so you know, we the Mavericks had a five whopping days, a rarity. Uh, at this point in the regular season to kind of figure out what's been plaguing them. Uh, and then they had quite the challenge on the horizon against the Boston Celtics and they lost <laughs> 119 <laughs> to 110. So don't really know where to start with this one. Um, the Celtics were playing four games in six nights. They're on the second night of a back-to-back. The Mavericks now fall to one in four against teams that uh, are playing on the second night of a back-to-back. This one sort of, I, I think it's a little bit of a pass compared to the others because the Celtics are simply a much deeper and better team. But that stat as a whole is an indictment of the coaching staff and their inability to prepare the players. And we've sort of shied away from bitching too much about coaching because I keep talking about how um, it doesn't matter relative to Luca and Kyrie being mad at kid. But at a certain point, it's like, come on, guys. Like, you got to have a better game plan against the Celtics than let them shoot corner threes. <laughs> yeah, the Celtics shot 15 corner threes. They only made five of them. 
um, which it was just a weird, it was a weird game. We could just say that it was a weird game. The Celtics didn't shoot very well. Um, they shot really well from mid range, but they've got good, you know, they've got good jump shooters. They were only 11 of 20 at the rim. Um, and the Mavericks were 18 of 30, like a lot of smoked layups in this game. Like, Shots to uh, shots to everyone. Everyone, um, everyone missed it open. The ones that I'm really mad at are Josh Green because I just am. I'm I'm just against Josh Green. He's kind of it's kind of my religion, but um, it was really rough. Yeah, it was really rough. Um, I thought they started the game fairly well. I mean, Boston shot one of ten from three in the first quarter. I you know I think the Mavericks had the right disposition to start the game for the most part, um, and they did play a little bit faster, and that's what you want to do against a team with tired legs. They did win uh, the fast break points, uh, but barely. They probably should have won that by a little bit more considering how many missed threes Boston had. Boston was 15 to 46 from three. That's, you know, that's 32%. That's not like horrific. It's not good, um, but that's a lot of misses for, you know, uh, you know, only making 15 out of 46. They really should have been able to maybe push the tempo a little bit more because we literally just saw the Mavericks have a bad three-point shooting night, and the Lakers basically take all their three-point misses and run it right down their throat. And they had like 26 fast break points. So for the Mavericks, I have 18. Like, that's okay, but they probably should have done a little bit better job. It felt like as the game wore on, they did not run uh, nearly as much. And they didn't turn over a lot. They only had 10 turnovers, so it's not like they were sloppy with the ball. Um, I just thought they tried to little, do a little bit too much ground and pound, you know, and that probably starts with the – First thing we need to talk about, which is Luca, and I, you know, I know what the numbers say. I'm looking right at him. I know he had a 33 point, 18 rebound, 13 assists, triple double. Worst triple double you might ever see from him. <laughs> this was a bad Luca game. Like this, I would, I would not call this a great Luca game. I thought he did, started off a little weird. I think he didn't get some calls that you know, right or wrong. He, you know, he just didn't get them. It affected um, his game. Yeah, for at least he, a quarter. He kind of yeah, got he, it back. But he was out. He of got it court. back, but you know, you can't you can't throw away that many minutes against a team this good. Even if they're missing Porzingis, even if they're missing, even if they're on the second half of back to back. By the time he got you know really engaged into the game, you know they're down sixteen in the second half, and like you basically have to pitch a perfect game uh, to win the game from that point. And and they weren't. They, you know, they just, they couldn't do that because not a lot of teams can do that. Um, so like, I just thought, I, you know, I thought defensively his effort level was not great in the first half. I thought it got a little better as the game were on. Obviously he has the low light of the Jalen Brown, you know, breaking ankles, mid-range jumper, which did not look great. Put that on the jumbo trauma and Tim Hardaway lost his mind. I know. Which I... Kind of, I kind of get it. I get it too. I'm just like, well, who are you losing your mind at? Because isn't the jumbotron person probably not in the front row? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I got, I'm getting a lot of people telling me that Luca didn't play bad defense tonight. Uh, that Brown just made jumpers, and what are you going to do about it? And I get that to a degree, but Brown was kind of able to dictate the terms of where he wanted to go on the court. I don't necessarily think he didn't get to the rim a ton because he was getting stonewalled the no. whole game. Like Brown likes to shoot mid-range jumpers. Yeah. Um and he I own him and uh he's on my fantasy team. He's yeah. uh he's been a delight to watch because he's he's like trimmed up all the garbage from his game. Yeah. So uh, you know, if you wanna tuck yourself in at night and be like, well, he just made a bunch of difficult shots and Luca was fine, 
I don't know. I mean, there was a reason the Celtics basically abandoned their offense to run it through Brown against Luca continuously. Yes. And like, I think the that, Celtics don't do that no. if they don't feel like they have an advantage there. Well, and then there's there's the the point that was raised in our Slack where it's like someone was like, Why is Kid on Brown? Well, because you go through the rest of the roster with the way that they were playing tonight, yeah. Luca was either on Horford at points or he was on Brown. And you can't move him on to Drew or to someone else because that means Tim Hardaway or somebody of that ilk, like Grant Williams, is is on Brown. And we'll get to those guys. Yeah, I think this, we'll talk about them. But yeah. in all honesty, like Lucas size is your best option. And and you know, Brown played a great game. Luca could afford to play better defense tonight, but that wasn't the difference. I mean, there might have been at spots, but yeah. it's like you get yeah. frustrated Lucas defense every game, but it's like, like he, and it wasn't just the ISO defense, like the mm-hmm. transition defense early. Like, you know, he did, he had a couple of bad positions complaining to the refs. I remember there was one early drew holiday, missed a wide open corner three because, you know, Luca was just pissed off and didn't want to cross yep. half court. Yep. And they could have gotten killed a bit more in the first half. You know, I mean, the Celtics scored 41 points in the second quarter. They were so cold to start the game. If they played a normal game in the first quarter, I mean, this is not a nine-point loss with the way, you know, your stars came out to start the game. This is, we're talking about a 20, 25-point loss potentially Mm -hmm. because, like, Luka and Kyrie had to be better, and they weren't. You know, Luka was shot under 50% from the floor. He shot two of eight from three. Kyrie was nine of 20 from the floor. Didn't look particularly uh, a great you know, he had some moments. I think he had a couple moments in the fourth where he thought, okay, he's going to turn it on. But third, he yeah, he had of, a nice, he had a nice close to the third quarter, I think, yeah. which might have gave Dallas a little bit of air. And, you know, the Kyrie discussion, as always, is very frustrating because I think that, you know, you, you get his, his, his largest supporters who were like, oh, he can't get in rhythm if he's not shooting the ball. I mean, I'm not aware of anybody telling Kyrie not to shoot the ball. He just doesn't force it, and he was getting opportunities that towards the end of the third, he had two 10-footers where he drove with a purpose and gets kind of right below the free-throw line, plants hard and rises and fires, and statistically speaking, that's a, a shot defenses are happy to give up. You know, I, I'm glad, I want Kyrie to take more of them, but it's like, this is just one of these situations where if Kyrie's not going to shoot, catch, catch and shoot threes, I don't, Dallas doesn't run enough offense they don't run enough plays so you're you're either relying on Kyrie being a one-on-one wizard or you're getting looking for some you know he's playing out of a pick and roll in certain situations and against Boston's length unless Luca's kicking the crap out of them Kyrie wasn't going to be very effective unless he was taking a lot of three-pointers and he and he didn't do that tonight that's okay yeah and I mean hey Derek White, Drew Holiday backcourt also quite the backcourt. Not fun to go against. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels a little worse because he also had a stinker against the Lakers. He only had 12 points on 16 shots. Um, so he's had two, you know, it's not great timing. He's had two his two worst games of the month um coincide with the two games Lucas come back after missing, you know, like the following game. Following, you know, quite you know, candidly, this is not hyperbole. Yeah. That five-game stretch, uh, our friend Istok Franco had a Twitter had a Twitter thread about this. That five-game stretch was possibly Kyrie's best five-game stretch statistically in his career, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy to say for a man that talented with the, with those kind of accolades. But it 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 hangs on you and it, and it frustrates you. And I don't necessarily think 
it's one of those things that gives the the people that don't think they can play together excuses yeah. but this wasn't that the the Celtics are the best team in the league <laughs> I don't want to do Nick Angstad of, of locked on Mavs made a lot of Twitter mad when he's like what like the Celtics are a better team and I yeah people I, are mad I, about this I one. agree like I'm yeah. I'm I don't want to downplay anybody's feelings. I'm just like, my frustration came from how the Mavericks looked, not so much how um, the result of the game where it's like, okay, they lost, but if they would have lost by four points or, you know, I I asked you to talk about something. They lost by nine points tonight, but why don't you, why don't you discuss that one stat that you had pulled out before this game? Do you remember it? Yeah. So um, they had 12 losses last season by with 10 or more points um and that was something we talked about a lot how it was weird that this this 38 win team <laughs> just does not get blown out it was they, all. Made, they made so many three-pointers they just made every game close regardless of of their effort level and this season they have uh they have 13 they have 13 losses already this season with uh 10 or by 10 or more points almost got their 14th tonight but it's nine so that doesn't count, but they still have 13. So they already have one more than they did last season. And we've still got, you know, almost a half season left of games to go. Um, and I just thought that was interesting, like, because usually, and this team is still making a lot of three pointers. It's not that their three pointers uh, have really fallen off compared to last season. Um, so I don't know, I, you know, when I tweeted it, I didn't really know what to make of it. Like, you know, is this, is this a, a sign of something? You mentioned in Slack that there's more blowouts league-wide this season, so yes. they might be caught up in that trend. But they're losing, you know, they're getting they're they're losing games more easily, I guess you should say, compared to last season. And last yeah. season they were a 38-win team. Now you want to flip the other side of the coin, the glass half uh, full, is they had 15 wins all of last season against teams below 500. They're 14-4 against below 500 teams this season. So... I don't know what it means for this season, but it might be, um, I don't know, maybe last season was just really, maybe it just means last season was just super weird. Because, um, you know, you're supposed to beat the bad teams. You know, a team like the Mavericks, if you want to be in that range, the playoff range that they're aiming for, you got to beat the bad teams and do your best against the good ones. But if you beat the bad teams, you'll probably be in the playoffs. And they're still doing that. Um but I don't know. Like, you know, people are mad and like this game didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. No, no. The Mavericks and, are not as good as the Celtics. Are, you know, are, are people pissed off because they're not as good as the Celtics without their second well, you, best player and on the second night of back to back? I don't know. I guess, you know, my man, not. where, where, where is it at? So, so my man, Brian, who comes on the live show, um, I might host one tonight just cause I, I stupidly drank a bunch of caffeine at like eight 30. Uh, so I think I might be awake and host one tonight. He he shared with stats that the Mavs are now 16 and 17 since an eight and two start to the season. 500 basketball after an eight and two start to the season. That's what you're telling me. Um, I mentioned this last game or last time we talked. Like if the Mavericks finish 44 and 38, that's a six game improvement. It's pretty good. Success. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not what people want. You want mm-hmm. to see connected basketball. You want to see some sense of growth and going somewhere. And that 21-22 season, that second half of the year where the Mavericks essentially played, like they won something like 70% of their games after Tim Hardaway went down. I'm pretty sure of that. And I could be wrong, but Tim Hardaway went down against the Golden State Warriors at the end of January. That pulled him out of the lineup. And so the Mavericks had seven and a half guys 
and they rolled deep. They played a scrambling defense. They shocked the shit out of everyone. They also did this thing because this just happens in March and April. Teams start to tank. So you just you start beating teams if you're trying to make the playoffs and, and the schedule pans out that way. And I think that's given our fan base a little bit of a misconstrued notion of what a non-contender does in the regular season. You try to build stretches. You try to have things where, where teams uh, are, are building towards something and are fixing their weaknesses. You know, the, Brad Townsend shared this really interesting stat that the Mavericks have made a deal at the postseason for seven straight years. I didn't even realize that, and we run a Mavericks website together. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, that might happen again this year, but most what does that tell you is that most of these moves are inconsequential. Like, they don't move the needle for a team. Like, who did the Mavericks trade for somebody in 21 22? I don't remember. Did it matter? Like, I, I, I'm just. And I bring all this up to say, like, where we are as a team is very frustrating because we're, like, right in the doldrums of 21, the 21-22, 20, by the way, was when they traded KP. They traded KP away. Yeah. That's right. Didn't, so they sent him away. Yeah. And so it was, it was essentially subtraction. They got Spencer Dinwiddie. That was the, you know, then that then that, that was, was that was when things started to roll. Um, I, I was wrong about, uh, no, Tim did get hurt. Then, because he wasn't part of the conference finals teams, he was just. We kept thinking, he yeah, was Tim come did back. get hurt. Yeah, um, so yeah, that was why the Mavericks were rolling, rolling. So, so it's just like, you know, is it is it possible that the Mavericks figure something out and go on a hell of a win streak? I mean, yes. I just, I just don't, don't think so. So, but that's also okay. <laughs> what for me when I like when I I live game to game and get just as mad as you guys during the games. Trust me, my my Twitter feed reflects that that's why like skin wade hated me for several years because he thought i was just a lunatic i'm like no i'm just the drunk at the sports bar um but this is one of these things where you get fans like you can't waste a year of luca don't disagree for sure (laughs) but rome wasn't built in a day god i'm sorry this is a fantastic comment we're gonna circle get grant williams some help uh we're gonna circle back to grant williams here after we take a short break so just want to let you guys know though um Really appreciate everybody who is listening on our Apple podcast feed because of this weekend, after six weeks of fuckery, we got that baby fixed, which means most of our listeners are actually listening to this pod again. Thank God. Josh and I have been podcasting a little bit into the void. Um, If you could leave us a review on whichever podcast service you listen to, I would be incredibly grateful or just leave a star rating. That sort of stuff really helps us. Josh and I have taken a beating these last two years. First, moving away from SB Nation. you know, they opted to let us go. They replaced uh, like 40 podcasts with the Andre Igudala podcast. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to be mad at them. Um, and then we just had this screwy issue with our RSS feed that it took uh, the tech guys forever to get a hold of. And now we're back in back in line. While you're here, if you're here listening to the YouTube uh, live show, I would appreciate it if you go and give us a like and consider giving us a subscription. We go uh, live after every show, or I'm sorry, after every game one way, shape, or form or another. Sometimes we even do two shows where you can join and talk and yell at me if you think I'm wrong. Uh, We're just a couple of guys talking a little bit of hoops. All right, thanks for uh, letting me shill. And if you'd also listen to these ads on the podcast feed, I'd very much appreciate it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Josh, what should we talk about next? Because I just ended that last segment with like a 90-second soliloquy. I didn't mean to, but I was kind of no. all over the map. No, that's okay. Um, before we get into some deeper Maverick stuff with this game, because there's definitely some lineup stuff we could talk about, and there's mm-hmm. some more players we need to talk about, I just wanted to touch on the Celtics, because this is really, you know, I try to watch non-Mavericks games as much as I can, but it's it's really difficult when this is our second job, basically, and... You know, we work full time during the day. Um, we both have families and, and young children. You know, you, right? I do my best, and but I what I do is I I just consume from all the smart people that are watching a lot of these games to help keep me you know know what's going on around the league. But I can't always watch national TV games or league pass or what have you. So this was really my first one of my first up close look looks at the Celtics, like really getting to watch, not just watching highlights or watching a half, uh, you know, while out to dinner or something like that. Yeah. Um, and what I took away was two things. One, they're really good, which is, duh, they're, they're, they're really good. Um, but they're also interesting in that, you know, something I've heard from a lot of smart people, particularly the Zach Lowe beats this drum a lot, is, you know, he's always like, you know, I wish the Celtics, you know, instead of just making that automatic kick out for a three, I wish they mm-hmm. would just go to the rim more. Mm-hmm. And, like, they just – they don't go to the rim. Like it's just for a team as athletic and as talented as they are. And for as many guys that are as capable with the ball in their hands, like white and holiday and Brown and Tatum uh, and even Porzingis, like when he's healthy, like the fact that they are not one of the top rim teams in the league is kind of surprising. And I get that they have to take a lot of threes because they've got so many good three point shooters, but I totally saw it in this game where I was like, what, the only reason it was a 26-24 game after the first quarter, like, the, you know, they went one of 10 from three. 
and they should have been down a bunch, but they just went to the basket almost mm. every play. And they were getting what they wanted because, you know, let's be real with the Mavericks, you know, without Exum, when you're having to play Luca Kyrie um, and Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, a lot of a lot of minutes and you don't have Exum and you've got this compromised version of Grant Williams. They just don't have a lot of perimeter defense. You know, it's basically Derek Jones on an island a lot of the time and then hope Derek Lively or Maxi can clean it up. So I was like, you know, they should keep doing that. And they kind of stopped. I mean, they started making threes in the second quarter, but the second half, like, they just don't force the issue a lot. Um, like, there's a way you can shoot a lot of threes and still, you know, attack the paint fairly well. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just – I just thought that stood out. And I wonder if that's going to be, like, their Achilles heel in the postseason is are they going to have a, a shooting slump for, like, a game or two? Uh, and they just don't compensate it by getting to the basket. So I thought that was interesting – I thought that was, you know, I was watching the game and like I almost felt like I was like coaching the Celtics. I was like, wait, why are you stopping at the free throw line? Right. You had a step or or why are you passing it up up at the rim? You had a layup or a foul. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. We're not a Celtics podcast. So I no, no. It's just- uh, I thought that was interesting. And then, um, like I said, they're just really good. And I think that their defensive versatility is really impressive. Um, and I don't know, just they're. I, I thought this was a difficult game for the Mavericks, even considering the circumstances just with like white um, and holiday, like, uh, you know, those guys did not shoot the ball very well. Holiday did, but J- Derek white was two of 12 from the floor, but man, like he made some plays. Like, yep. Those are two good players. So th- that's my little, you did like a little forced, sol- soliloquy. He, There's my Celtics. Soliloquy. He forced, he forced a Kyrie turnover as Kyrie was taking the ball up the court on the right side of the court. He just pestered him enough. Like Kyrie Irving, one of the best ball handlers. His only of, turnover of, of the game. Multiple generations. Like that's yeah. what Ky- – and so it's it's really something. Um, this is funny. When Kyrie played with LeBron, they ran. Kyrie would alley hoop DeBron the whole game with Luka. The Mavs play slow, and Kyrie is in the corner. Does not look right. If you think Kyrie Irving stands in the corner, you're not watching the game. He stands at the wing. <laughs> um I just I'm just sassing people. I love people that join this this whole thing. So with with you know this the recipe for this game was that Luca was gonna be cooking and then Kyrie would feast on the fact that they would have to over adapt to Luca. They never Didn't had to. Yeah. They never had to. Um the one change that happened in the second half that I just don't fucking understand, <laughs> that I just don't understand is why do we care that Maxi Kleba what what is that? He played 25 minutes <laughs> along with Derek Lively playing 25. Minutes. He played nine minutes in the second half. Lively did, right? Lively did, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he that... did anything wrong. Like <sighs> what Maxi is is it is 2024. Maxi is a nice bit player for 12 minutes a game, or or you play him as a stretch four with lively. You stop playing him as a stretch five. I don't care how good his defense is. He is a non-contributing zero on offense, and his his box score is a lie, okay? his He is three of seven from the field with seven points and two rebounds. He had nothing the whole game. Luka forced him to take shots at the rim when the Mavericks were already going to lose. I'm pretty sure he had five points in the final two minutes of the game. 
I think he had all seven of his points in the final two minutes of the game. If if Derek Lively is our is the future, if he can't shoot right now, I at least want to see him try. One of the things that had him shoot up draft boards was not just his defensive awareness. It was his ability to shoot in workouts. It became a little bit of a legend. I would rather play the guy who is not terrified to shoot than the guy who is supposed to be your stretch five and doesn't do anything. Teams don't care up until, so tonight he took seven shots prior to tonight's game. In the previous five games, he had taken 11 total shots through five games. That's a scouting report thing, guys. That goes in the scouting report. You see it. You might not remember it, but, oh, if Maxi Kleba gets the ball, you don't care because he's not shooting it. Just let him take it. We'll live and die by Maxi shooting threes. That's fine. If Maxi Kleba beats us, we're fine with that. That's a coaching. That's just, that's right there. I can tell you that exists on these, on these short uh, um, scouting reports. And I just, I don't understand. The only offense, the only offense that was alive for the Mavericks were Luca Lively pick and rolls, were Kyrie Lively pick and rolls. Enough of this Maxi crap. I just, I don't want to see it. It's been six games already. I've joked. I was like, I want Maxi back so I can, I can, I can be mad about Maxi. No more Maxi. No. <laughs> so Not only, that much, at least. Yeah. I think the, I think two things happened. Uh, well, they kind of go, they kind of coincide. I think the coaching staff rode the in game plus minus a little too hard. Uh, Maxi finished minus one. Lively was minus seven. And as we both said, those can be very deceiving. Uh, in-game plus minus can be very deceiving. And I just wonder if the coaching staff was looking at that kind of stuff at halftime and just overcorrected. And to be fair, you know, that's not just a kid thing. Rick Carlisle overreacted to in-game plus minus all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time he did that. Um, so that's certain thing that's a certain that's a quirk with coaches they just they they look at they look at the box score at halftime they see that number and, and then they make adjustments um so that's part of it another is the Celtics do play five out um which means lively has to close out and be away from the rim and that wasn't always working in the second quarter when the Celtics made a bunch of threes they scored 41 points i think my counter to that is i don't don't necessarily disagree with that line of thinking like hey let's let maxi be the one who can close out because he's much more comfortable. And I think he did a little bit of a better job. The Celtics didn't make as many threes in the second half, but I th- the balance was just out of whack. Like, I don't think that necessarily means lively has to be sent to the phantom zone for most of the second half. You know, they, they could have found a way to better balance it because Maxi was on the floor for long stretches where they were getting some stops, but they were not scoring making headway. Yeah. Because he, you know, and, and lively had six points. Um, I know Maxi technically had more points, but, you know, Maxi. All Maxi's points basically came in. Garbage. Lively had three gorgeous finishes. Yeah, and he, he caught eight, one. He had, yeah, go ahead. He caught one oop up high, but the ball was deflected just so. So he catches it, brings it down, but does not bring the ball to his waist. He keeps it near his head and, using his big seven foot frame, jumps up and dunks it. A couple plays later, he guides another tipped pass. Actually, I think um, Drew Holiday might have bumped him on the jump, which is like one of those fouls they simply never call. He he, and if uh, Drew hadn't bumped him on the on the roll, uh, Lively would have jammed it. But instead, Lively catches it and kisses it off the glass. And then he had one more finish that made me just be like, "Oh my god!" He was really like, good on the boards too. 
I get and, two rebounds. And like, so you're you're hearing me. Um, one of my friends, Kenny, kind of goaded me on the on the Twitter about how Dwight Powell is like an elite role man. And I just, as a former big man who sucked ass at rolling, I get sort of offended when people are like, "Rolling's an easy skill." It's not. No, it's not. Jesus Christ, Lively is so good at it. And or we, really, Collie Stein would still be in the league. Like Stein, <laughs> Javale McGee, all these. Yeah. Ass- players the Mavericks had his center for several years went through the list like Moses Brown uh yeah if it was so easy then why haven't those guys learned it Christian but, Wood was pretty good at it um yeah, he was KP good. couldn't do it still because I mean but that's he was picking pop he could yeah. but now he's doing he's doing it now he's doing right. everything now yeah he looks better now um, um but yeah Lively also had four offensive rebounds um mm-hmm. Mavericks actually won the battle on the boards 48 to 44 which is not something they do and I thought like he was getting a hand like when he was on the floor, the Celtics could not close possessions very well, even when the Mavericks missed a shot. Like even though he only had he had four offensive rebounds, but he probably altered or tipped a few more and made some a little bit more difficult. He only had two fouls. Like I I'm not again, I understand the, the coaching strategy and the Celtics are playing five out. Let's get Maxi in there to close out the shooters, but I just think they could have worked that balance a little bit better. Um, and lively, I just would have liked to see more lively. Like maybe instead of it them being equal, like could it have been lively thirty, maxi twenty? Just, just something a little bit. I just don't think lively played poorly enough with the stretch fives with the with the five out ball ball to to just get mothballed as much as he did in the second half. That's all. Yep. We're going to circle back to some of the kid quotes at the end. Uh, Kyrie apparently sprained his thumb. That's something that we discovered in post game. He says he's going to play through it. That is what it is. Um, what just to kind of finish up, like talking about the specifics of the game, like I just we're going to talk about him again because we have to. Grant Williams gave this pregame interview where he's had a couple like because he talked in practice yesterday and Brad Townsend mm-hmm. wrote a piece about it. And then he did this pregame like he's on a little bit of a media tour. He's on a media tour because he's just so friendly and he talks a lot and and I don't know like <laughs> he needs to he, what he needs it and you know he needs to stop until his play improves because he sounds like a failing politician on the campaign trail with all the things he's saying because he's playing horrendous basketball. Yeah, I think we can just kind of leave it at that. Two points. Um, he had one nice pass to the corner. That was kind of cool. But uh, for most of the game, he was a, a pretty strong negative. Um, I, I just, I, I feel bad for the guy. Uh, and I, I, yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, don't say. Know what to say. Like this is, he is, uh, he is quickly turned into one of the Mavericks I've liked least during my time as a Mavericks fan. And that goes back to 1999. Um, so he really continue, continues the stretch of their biggest off season acquisition. Uh, being really bad right oh yeah and that's like, just a that's welcome a to the delon Wright, josh richardson club of just just guys who come that are apparently good that when they play with the mavericks then die yeah just don't don't get it um yeah that's yeah i don't and I, I, here's a question i have for you so Ooh. the mavericks played basically played an eight-man rotation jane hardy was the ninth man but he played two minutes doesn't matter um I'm looking at the bench. The bench was Maxi Grant and Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. 
Dante Exum's going to come back and he's going to start. So he's going to start for Josh Green. So that means Green's going to come off the bench. Okay. Um, is Grant Williams going to be in the rotation when Dante Exum's healthy? No. No, and that's okay. 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 That's okay. okay. Um, I don't want to see him anymore. But, like, okay, I, I you really don't, don't. But do you, do you think he will be out of the rotation when Exum? I mean, I think they should try to trade him for anything as quickly okay. as possible. Okay. He is almost unrecoverably bad. It's so funny because I've been talking with Golden State Warrior friends of mine who were like, "Let's." I really hope the Ma- the Mavericks want Wiggins and like Wiggins. It's like the only guy who might be playing worse than Grant Williams. Yeah, he might. Be. <sighs> okay, um, so so you really okay? I can we talk about Josh Green? Yeah, we like, can talk about Josh Green. Uh, one of my friends, Ashan, uh, said to me, "He's like my optimistic take on this Mavericks game is is that Josh Green played well." Um, what the Celtics decided to do was put Al Horford on him. Al Horford is my age, and they didn't care what Josh Green did. Josh Green shot the ball well. I, I wanted to keep shooting. His shot, like the annual, uh, the the second annual elbow sprain, has really helped his shot. Like, it, <laughs> so at least there's that. Pretty pleased about that. Um, now let me read you. I'm going to read you a pair of quotes. Kind of okay. uh, Where did it go? I have too many tabs open. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves lost to the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, they lost to the Hornets tonight. Uh, but Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 points. <laughs> he had 44 at the half, the most than a half, I think, ever. Uh, maybe in record. It's been, it, no, since like play-by-play basketball, like since live television. It's been it's incredible. 44 points, just a gajillion. Coach Chris Finch, after the game. It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball all the way through the game. This is what happens when you have this type of approach. What a quote. Now, I'm going to read to you one from head Dallas Mavericks head coach, Jason Kidd. Just a little side-by-side for this one. I think we were just a little bit frustrated with the officiating and we lost our focus. We've got to be better. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> you know, well, it's a, it's a, one of the things um, that I think is interesting where it's just like when I, I settle on this, I get so mad when I read these kid quotes because I think as, as you know, a manager in my day job and, you know, managing guys, Mavs Moneyball, you, you can't throw your team under the bus. However, it has been explained to me and I tend to understand um, that a coach has certain motivational bullets in his chamber to use every year. And when kid goes at the team, like he does in some of these games, he does so because he knows he only has so many times to be passive aggressive before he loses them. He doesn't do it that often. I think it tonight's not the game for kid to go off on the team. No, he usually saves it for a bad defensive game because that's what pisses him off the most. What? I, I just, I just don't, you know, I wanted to circle back on kid because like the lively of it all really frustrated me. But at the same time, like this was, this is not kids finest performance. It's also not like the Mavericks are still get five games over 500. Like the, the, it's just, he's not wrong. Kid is not wrong when he's, he basically implies like these guys are professionals. It's their job to get out and execute. I just think we would like to see, you know, a lot of us were like raised on firebrand coaches. And we want to see that. And I think in hindsight, Rick Carlisle wasn't even that much of a firebrand coach because he just like, you lose players that way. You just do the season's too long. 
And so I'm not like back here necessarily. I've kind of needed to talk myself through this in the podcast because <laughs> be too crazy about kid again. I, I wish he would do some stuff differently, but it's like, what? I wish he would take a technical every now and then. Ev, that's, that's about all. Yeah. Because like Luca, Luca was getting the shit beat out of him in that, in that first half, like that Grant Williams foul at the half that wasn't called like those foul. He got broadsided. Like granted, I don't believe Grant Williams would have made the free throws. So it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> It's just, it's, it's one of these things where we keep coming back to it and like things are really going to have to go sideways and I don't want them to go sideways. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think the only thing tactical, like besides the lively tactically, like maybe send a double at Jalen Brown once in a while, but right. Right. It's not like Brown's a a good passer. Bobby, this is a good quote. Bobby in the chat says we need kid to stand up for players and he doesn't even do that. Yeah. You know, it's like, Maybe there's there's got to be one of these post post game comments where if things are really sideways, him going off and getting a foul like a fine with the refs, like something like that would be nice. I yeah, guess. I mean, the free throw disparity was Celtics had thirty attempts, Mavericks had fourteen. So yeah, this might yeah. have been a game to do it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. By the way, Jason Tatum thirty nine eleven eleven rebounds, five assists, three steals, two blocks, zero turnovers. Yep, and a did lot not of free like, throws. Did not feel like that like while I was watching the game. But he first was, quarter was big. He had a lot of points in the first quarter. Yeah. He defensively, he was very I thought that he was more impressive. Well, it's so odd. So it was funny hearing Harp on the he's like, that's a six eight, six nine guy. He's really talented. Jason Tatum is a shade away from seven foot. He is an enormous player. Our guy Matthew always talks about this. It's it's He's there with like KD in terms of size and you don't really see it on the floor, but you just, you got to trust me on this one. That's a big man. Cause it's, it's, it's just, it's tough watching him. He is so tall um, <laughs> and just rangy too. It's yeah. really impressive to watch him play. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, he's not the player Luca is, but he is quite a fascinating player. I like him all the, all the same. So yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I was going to host a live show, but my wife just sent me a text and asked me to uh, to to not do one tonight because we apparently have to go do a very very early morning uh, daycare tour. Yay! Oh, that's fun. <laughs> you know, it's the way life goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, when do we play again? We have they a lot play, of games. They play against Phoenix on Wednesday, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So that's the nonsense National rivalry TV, game. ABC, yeah, ABC mm. game. So against the, the Suns, and the Suns just won on a game winner from Kevin Durant, a double clutch kind of Dirk Nowitzki-esque left elbow shot, really beautiful shot. Suns are um, playing very, very well. Um, they have won. They're six in a row, uh, so they've they've turned it around because their big their big three is finally healthy. So, uh, well, if there was a stretch for them to sort of get their lives together, it would be this Phoenix, Atlanta, Sacramento, Orlando stretch. Now, none of those teams is a pushover, but they could theoretically win all four of those games. Like those are games I feel good about because then you play this just murderers row where you go, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I mean, Joel Embiid scored 70 points tonight. Um, I can't, I am like, I, Joel Embiid gets a lot of like floppy foul calls, but he shoots like 90 plus percent from the line. He might score 80 points against the Mavericks (laughs) interior defense. And I'm just, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, So I would like for the Mavericks to, to figure something out a little bit. 
Yeah, they um, need to go two and two in these next four games, bare like minimum. Or, oh, I mean, I I think that's kind of yeah. likely though. The rest of the way they play, they're going to play five hundred basketball. I mean, there's not you, you kind of scroll through and and they don't there there's like a post All Star break um, stretch where they're going to be playing a couple of teams that might have decided to pack it in by now. But that it's it's the Mavericks really want to make the playoffs, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be very. <sighs> there's just there's a lot there's just a lot. Hey, they still have to play Detroit twice before the season's over. So there Ooh, you go. Hey, two wins. <laughs> Though if we lose to if we lose to Detroit at that point, no, I, I don't, don't think it's 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 I'm fine. Log off. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I know. I know. T Bone says, "Kirk, we do need another live show." Um, my wife says, "I can't." I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> plus, like I don't know. This is I want to do one after a win. I need to get back in my groove. I need to get. This is yeah, all. People, this people might be too angry for you tonight. Yeah, this is just. The, do you think we will do a live show on Wednesday, Kirk? That game is at nine o'clock, and and so I I I would guess maybe yes, just because it's like at that point I reach a point in the evening where it's like, well, if I'm going to be up, I'm going to be up till the baby has a feed at like two or three in the morning. So yeah, Eric says, Josh, you joined the live show. Josh doesn't want to do these guys. I'm like, I'm like a shitty, I'm a shitty radio <laughs> DJ on these live shows. You guys, you guys are the ones that help make the show. Uh, buddy, if you, st- <laughs> Brian says, if you think we won't still be angry after a win, it's a great point. It's a great point. Harris says the game is at seven 30. I'm a moron. All those right. A- those ABC Wednesday games are like, they're always seven thirty. I wonder if that for... got bumped because our spreadsheet says nine. I wrote it down because we have oh. this whole big organizing sheet. Oh well, it probably did. Nobody cares about our problems. <laughs> All right, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to leave us a review. Shoot me an email. Do all that fun stuff. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. And go Mavs.